0: Let's go to the Lord uh, in a word of prayer. Our Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open your precious word and, and to, to look into it. Dear God, you are so big and I am so small and it is a fearful thing to handle your word. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that my words would glorify your name. Help us all, dear God, to see the truth contained therein. I ask in Jesus's most holy and precious name, Amen. If you could turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 7, we'll start in verse 13. So Revelation, starting in verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of, out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. My text is uh, from the latter part of verse 17, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There is a sense in which this can refer to the tears shed in our earthly pilgrimage from all the pain and suffering that we encountered. i don't necessarily discount that perspective, but I am convinced that the primary sense is that these are tears shed in heaven by the redeemed. Our verse comes after eight verses preceding it, where John describes beholding the great multitude standing around the throne, worshiping, and the redeemed arrayed in white robes, washed in the blood of the Lamb, giving praises before our God. And then the scripture clearly states that then God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And the question is, what could be the source of these tears? We think of being finally glorified through the merits of Christ, and we will be. We think of meeting God and Christ face to face as the most wonderful experience ever, and that it must be, and it will be. We think of heaven as the most perfect place imaginable, and it will be. God has promised it. So why would there be any tears that need to be wiped away? Well, firstly, when we die and leave this space of time, we will see God face to face in all his glory, in all his majesty, in all his power, and in all his perfection. The clay will truly see in all fullness and with all clarity, the majestic potter who made and sustained him in life, This will undoubtedly bring torrents of tears when we realize just how little we truly knew of God here on earth. We'll also see Jesus face to face in all his beauty, in all his holiness, and in all of his loveliness. We will see our beloved perfectly, and we'll see him as the lamb that was slain for our sin, for our reconciliation of the Father. Oh, the tears that will flow like rivers when we consider all he accomplished for us. I also believe there's another source of tears that we will shed. If you can take a look at Romans 14, verses 10 to 12. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord. Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Further supporting this in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we read, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And if you can... uh, Take a look at Matthew 12 verse 36. Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now, I don't pretend to know exactly how this squares with Hebrews 10:17, which says in their sins and iniquities will I remember no more, but we do have in plain language the judgment seat of Christ in two separate portions of scripture, and in another verse Christ himself telling us that every idle word must be accounted for we need to accept that there will be an accounting for how we lived our lives. C.H. Spurgeon stated it so eloquently in these portions in his sermon titled The Great Assize, uh, which he preached on 2 Corinthians 5.10. I could read a couple portions from that. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is very decisive if there were no other text. We must all appear. That is to say, every one of the human race, we must all appear. And that the godly will not be exempted from this appearance is very clear. For the apostle here is speaking to Christians. He says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. We labor, and so on. And then he puts it, we must all appear. So that beyond all others, it is certain that all Christians must appear there. The text is quite conclusive upon that point. And if we had not that text, we have the passage in Matthew, which we have read, in which the sheep are summoned there as certainly as are the goats. And the passage in the Revelation, where all the dead are judged according to the things which are written in the books, they are all there, end quote. Spurgeon continues a little bit further in this sermon. And he says, quote, Who among us wishes, as it were, to be smuggled into heaven unlawfully? Who desires to have it said by the damned in hell, You were never tried, or else you might have been condemned as we were? No, brethren, we have a hope that we can stand the trial. The way of righteousness by Christ Jesus enables us to submit ourselves to the most tremendous tests which even that burning day can bring forth. We are not afraid to be put into the balances. We even desire that day when our faith in Jesus Christ is strong and firm. For we say, who is he that condemneth? We can challenge the day of judgment. Who is he that shall lay anything to our charge in that day or at another? Since Christ hath died and hath risen again, it is needful that the righteous should be there, that there may not be any partiality in the matter whatever, that the thing may be all clear and straight and that the rewards of the righteous may be seen to be, though of grace, yet without any violation of the most rigorous justice, End quote. So picture in your mind, if you will, a small sampling of having to give account at the judgment seat, an accounting of the things that we did, all manner of sin and iniquity committed by us against a holy and righteous God, Pride in ourselves, pride in man, pride, 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 anger in our hearts, lust of our flesh and of our eyes, lies from our tongues, covetous attitudes, idols we set up, blasphemies against God, sloth and indolence, oh, the list goes on and on and on. And oh, the fountains of tears that will spring up when we must give account of our very deeds that nailed Christ to the tree. Now picture in your mind an accounting for the things we did not do in our lives. The gospel not presented, the prayers not prayed, the love not shared, the poor not regarded, the words of comfort not spoken, the scriptures not applied to our lives. The still voice of the Spirit of God ignored. The forgiveness not extended. This list goes on and on and on. and There will be tears of regret that will stream forth when we realize what we could have done but did not. Personal holiness is extremely important to God. It's not an issue of legalism. We can't curry God's favor through our deeds, but we are called to be holy as he is holy. Robert Murray McShane famously famously stated, my people's greatest need is my personal holiness. We should apply that to our lives by endeavoring to make it apply in all aspects of our lives by thinking things like my spouse's greatest need is my personal holiness. My children's greatest need is my personal holiness. My church, my neighbors, my community, my friends, Their greatest need is my personal holiness. At the end of our appearance before the judgment seat, our only plea can be Christ, Christ, only Christ. My only defense, my only hope is the merit of Christ. And I truly believe that the greatest ocean of tears on that day will be when Christ, our judge, declares emphatically and without wavering or doubt, not guilty. I paid for it all. And then, in most loving fashion, and with all tenderness, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen.